On today's show, how did Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets win an NBA championship? What happened to my, Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat? We'll talk about that and more on today's Locked On NBA. Let's go. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome. You are locked on to the NBA. My name is Nick Angstead, host of the Locked On Mavericks podcast. Thanks for being part of the show, making Locked On NBA your first listen every day. Be an everydayer. Subscribe or follow for free. Just search Locked On NBA wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube. The best way you can help us grow the show is to listen every day and to comment anything below. Comment below. At the beginning of the playoffs, did you believe the Denver Nuggets could win an NBA championship? I would love to know that. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code LOCKDOWNNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And joining me, I would say as always, as I normally do, but I won't. <laughs> uh, Hayes from Lockdown Bulls, what you got for me, Hayes? Hey, man, I'm glad to be here. This game tonight, I just, this this was an amazing game to watch. It was a great way to, fin- to finish the final series, and uh, if Miami Heat had played this intense, they probably wouldn't be going home right now. It's an incredible run for the Miami Heat. Like, no one's yeah. probably going to remember that. Or we're going to look back and be like, oh, yeah, that team was an eight seed. Like, just such a weird run for them. But we'll talk a lot about the Denver Nuggets and about how they got here, how they won this. We'll talk about how Jokic uh, came up just so clutch in this game. Uh, what an incredible game, game five. We'll talk about that. And then we'll get into a little bit of buy or sell. Get into a little buy or sell a little bit later <laughs> where we'll buy or sell things about Fred Van Vliet. He may become a free agent and going to decline his player option. Uh, Monty Williams has a press conference tomorrow with the Pistons. Jerry West saying some things on Paul George podcast. So we'll talk about all that. Let's get into that. But before we do, let's start with this. The Denver Nuggets are NBA champions, and it's been an up. It's been an up and down and then back up season for the Denver Nuggets when they actually just an up coast and then keep going up season for them really because they secured the number one seed a long time ago then they kind of coasted for a little while and I think a lot of people decided that hey that that team the one that I'm watching or the team that I'm seeing Matt Moore talks about this a lot locked on nuggets and locked on NBA host he said man like I'm never gonna look at March basketball the same again like I'm I'm never gonna take (laughs) March basketball what the nuggets are doing what the heat were doing in March basketball you just can't translate it to this stage to what you're doing in the the NBA finals and the Denver Nuggets just had like everything went wrong for them in certain ways and they were able to overcome a bunch of stuff in this game and like they were just tested over the course of this whole run and when they needed it most Jokic came up really really big for them yeah, the whole team played really good down the stretch, but Jokic is just is special. He's a special player, and that's why when, you know, people all of a sudden this season got to talking at some point saying, you know, how his MVPs were manufactured by the NBA and stuff. Like, no, Jokic is just a hell of a talent, and just the way that this team has played all season long, um, is it's great to see a team that's been that consistent and that that good uh, win the title, right? And and the Miami Heat put up a fight uh, to a degree, and their their run over this playoffs has been amazing. But the Denver Nuggets just have been executing better than most teams the whole playoff series. I what no no team in any series I think won more than two games against them this playoff yeah, run. The uh, the so. Phoenix Suns, according to Brendan Clean on Twitter, locked on Suns host, the Phoenix Suns are the only team to win two games off of them in this one. Like just a just a dominant run. You could talk about yeah. oh what a soft what a soft path they had through the NBA like finals but 
hey, they won it, and they went and took care of business, and they won in five games. And this team, we're gonna we're gonna look back at this team. And there's so many little storylines you can pick out. There's the Jokic storyline that you just referred to of, hey, his MVPs are valid now, even though I don't think they weren't valid before, but now they're definitely valid with a championship. You have the Jamal Murray came back from the injury, had, you know, just some really down times when we just didn't know if he was going to be. He's now probably the best player without an all-star appearance. It's just a really weird career for him so far, but he's been an incredible playoff performer. He had some big shots in this game. You have the Aaron Gordon storyline where you look at Aaron Gordon, where, where he was in Orlando, they drafted him what fourth overall he's in the dunk contest a bunch of times with your boy, Zach Levine. And then he's like, he's just a dunker at a certain point in his career, but he didn't want to be that he gets traded to the Denver nuggets. He becomes this like perfect role player next to Jokic backup five, you know, starting four, all that kind of stuff. The rebounder, uh, defender, hard note, incredible. Like the, 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 Hey, the magic. We're trying to make him like Paul George. I know like they, they, he had the ball in his hands and he was like leading an offense and he just became this perfect role player for them. You have yeah. the Michael Porter jr. Like wild, wild run now where he just, just yeah. couldn't shoot at all, but he still really impacted this game with 13 rebounds. He changed his game throughout this season. And then into these playoffs where he was defending a lot better. He was rebounding. He was, he was, not making passes all the time, but he had three assists. He had three assists in this game. Like, there's so many other. Which one stands out to you the most? I guess which because there's so many different storylines we can pick out. There's the Christian Brown where like he yeah. won an NCAA title like 400 days ago, and now he's winning an NBA <laughs> title. Like, there's just so many different. Sto- DeAndre Jordan got some minutes and is winning a ring. Yeah, like, yeah. What storyline yeah. stands out to you the most about this team? I mean, I think it's definitely Jokic is, is going to be the number one. Even though, like like you said, I I never thought his MVPs were invalid, and that whole narrative was a weird one to me but Jamal Murray's career too like just looking at like everything he's been through sticking with with the Denver Nuggets um and just that storyline and you know me you talking about some adversity stuff that he had faced (laughs) I forgot about uh before we started recording but I you you just have to be happy for so many people on this team but I also think like Michael Porter Jr. People thought that that injury was going to keep him from being an impact player in the NBA. And then when he re-injured it and missed the season, some people thought, I included thought, hey, we don't know if MPJ is ever going to be able to come back from this. Not only does he come back, he still shows the flashes to being that score that we need that he needs to be. And he stepped up big time in this playoff run. There were times where Michael Porter Jr. made some defensive plays that I never thought I would see him. Right? Yeah. There was a point in this game where Porter Jr. was like one of eight or something like that. Like just just awful. He couldn't hit anything. And to see him like grab a rebound, to see him get a good defensive stop in some ways, yeah. like to see him do that, it was just a complete 180 of his draft profile. Like when he came out in yeah. the draft, when they picked him, uh, it was, well, he's an amazing shooter. Like just one of the best shots you could ever imagine you could ever see. He's he's such a good shooter. Doesn't really do a whole lot else, but he's going to be an incredible shooter. Like that was the, that was the profile for him coming out. And then now to have him just add a couple more things to his game. They had that whole saga where, you know, he didn't, he didn't close a couple of games in, in these yeah. finals and ended up closing this one. He was able to earn Michael Malone's respect back. And a lot of players, if they were that highly touted, if they were drafted a little bit lower, had the injuries that we haven't really mentioned the injuries that Michael Porter jr. Went through too, had those injuries. And then, you know, had their confidence shot in the, in the finals with missing, you know, missing shots. And then Michael Malone, not playing him like, they would have folded and Michael Porter Jr. didn't and was able to still impact this game. That was incredible. Uh, KCP had a, a wrist injury 
In the third quarter, he had a right wrist sprain, and he was questionable to return, according to the team. At the end of the third quarter, he ends up coming back in the middle of the fourth quarter, hits two huge clutch free throws with 24 seconds left after Miami fouled, and they didn't really need to. We'll, we'll break down some of that a little bit later. Uh, but he yeah. now wins a second championship, which is awesome for him, just one of the like the best role players in the NBA uh, at that point. It's just... I, you can go down the Bruce Brown route too. Like I, I want to go through all, I want to go through all these players. Cause I just think that there's so many different Bruce Brown came into the NBA and he was with the Pistons. He didn't really have a shot, but he could do some other stuff. And then he talks about how he went and learned actually how to be a guard and learn how to be like a point guard and learn how to be a, you know, a productive player and learn how to shoot. And he just became such an important part. He closed a bunch of those games. Those two games I mentioned that Porter jr. Didn't close Bruce Brown did. In this, mm-hmm. and he he turned himself into a really really good role player. Michael Malone, we can go through through his whole thing. Where how Eight many years in Denver? How Eight. many different times was he like, oh, is Michael Malone on the hot seat for Denver? And now he's an <laughs> yeah. NBA championship coach, which we've learned over the last couple of weeks may yeah. not mean a lot for job security anymore. But yeah. he's won an NBA championship now, which is an incredible feat. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it, it, the Denver Nuggets are a feel good story, and there's there's a story of why the game is what it is and why it means what it means to people. Like you, you, like you said, you can, you just, we just named collectively like six or seven storylines so you could pull from this. And, and it's just, that's what makes it special. And I love the way that also Denver built organically, right? Yeah. They, they yeah. have absolutely pieces. They went out and made trades for, we talked about Aaron Gordon, things like that, but ultimately like, they built this team piece by piece organically. They didn't try to buy a superstar. They didn't trade for a superstar that was disgruntled. They just developed, they traded some for, for some pieces and they, they made the right trades that fit the puzzle piece, right? And you talked about like Aaron Gordon coming in and being the perfect role player for Jokic. That's just, they, they showed a level of patience that a lot of NBA teams don't show anymore. And, and I think that it's good to see it finally pay off in a title for them. Coming up, how do we get here in game five? How did the Nuggets close it out? What happened to Miami Heat and Jimmy Butler? We'll break that all down coming up. But before we do, let me tell you about Game Time. The Game Time app has you covered this offseason and uh, all throughout. There's no more basketball in the NBA, but guess what? There's WNBA games you can go to. Check out the Game Time app and see what tickets. You can go see the Chicago Sky over where Hayes is. You can go see the Dallas Wings over where I am. All kinds of different uh, WNBA events. You have uh, concerts, all kinds of things you can check out. There's comedy, things you can check out on the Game Time app. And if you snag tickets without the stress of Game Time, you just download the app. Create an account. Use the code LOCKDOWNNBA. That's all one word, LOCKDOWNNBA, for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account. Redeem code LOCKDOWNNBA for $20 off. They make it easy. Just download the app today. Last-minute tickets. Lowest prices. Guaranteed. Thanks, everybody, for hanging out with us on Lockdown NBA, making us part of your day, being an everydayer. We appreciate you. Uh, We will be hosting a... NBA mock draft special. I made a pick. You made a pick? No, you didn't make a pick for the bull for the Bulls Hayes. No, no, I didn't make it. <laughs> it's bigger than ever. Follow along the entire first round, a six-episode ultimate mock draft experience. Only Locked On can deliver. All episodes are available to you on the Locked On NBA Big Board, YouTube, or wherever you get listen to your podcast. That's coming soon. The Locked On NBA Mock Draft Special. All right, Hayes, let's get into this game. So the Denver Nuggets win 94 to 89. Not a final score we're used to in 2023 NBA, yeah. NBA circles. Uh, they never scored over 30 points in any co- single quarter. Neither team did. It was just a rock fight, like a 
drag out game. And in the first half, Denver's turnovers, Denver was one of 15 from three. It just felt like, to me, the Miami Heat squandered an incredible opportunity where Denver was just like getting in their own way. And they could, and Miami was getting some calls too in, in the first half. And they, Miami just never could really put the put their foot on the gas, hit a bunch of threes like they have this whole playoff run and create a sizable lead. Yeah, this was a game that it start and it seemed like the moment was getting to the Denver Nuggets players. They were taking bad shots early. Uh they they were falling for the the Miami Heat's defense. They just weren't executing the way that we're used to seeing the Denver Nuggets executing. I'd say that that maintained for the most part of the game. Now the Denver Nuggets were able to just overpower and just do enough down the stretch to end up winning this game, but it just seemed like the Nuggets were I don't know. If I, they just were. They were tense, and you know it, yeah. both teams were at certain points, and it makes sense. This is the biggest stage that that they've played on. So, um, but I, they they came together. There were a lot of questionable calls in this game. One specifically <laughs> in the fourth quarter that almost made me pull out my beard hair. Like it just, it was bad, man. It was bad. <laughs> We get, let's get to the fourth quarter. We had uh, Denver, by the way, hit their second three of the game with 6.44 left in the third quarter. That I mean, it, to win a game like this, only hitting five of 28 threes, 18% from three, really. I'm rounding up even there with that 18%. Like, that, that's a wild one. The beginning of the fourth quarter, Spo got a little desperate throughout Cody Zeller, and collectively, every single person I follow that loves the Miami Heat uh, just collectively were like, Cody Zeller, question mark, question mark, question mark, over and over and over again. That didn't last very long. Jokic hit a hook shot. Uh, Murray hit a three-point shot. They go. Denver goes back up by four. Miami calls a timeout. And then late in this game, you had Denver kind of holding on to this lead, nursing a lead a little bit, and Jimmy Butler finally shows up. Four minutes and 23 seconds left. Jimmy Butler hits a, a three late in the shot clock. It was Miami's first score in like five minutes. They had this huge drought in the fourth quarter where it just felt like nobody could really get anything going. Jimmy hit a three. He hit another three right after that. And then he took another three in the possession right after that. Missed. And he a foul was called. Aaron Gordon was closing out and closed out like right in front of him where he's walking in front of him. It's not like he was walking into him. He was walking right in, like, in front of him and past him. Jimmy Butler's leg kicks out. Hits Aaron Aaron right in the Gordons, and uh, Aaron Gordon didn't flop or anything like that. He just kind of stayed up and stayed there. Foul was called on him. Denver challenges it. Everyone on Twitter, ever like every single person I follow, was like, "Oh, this is gonna get overturned." And even Mark Jackson on the broadcast, was like, yeah. "This is gonna get overturned." There's no way. There's that's not a basketball play to kick your leg out like that. And then it comes back after the review. It's still a foul on Aaron Gordon. Jimmy gets three free free throws, hits all three of them. And then Miami's only down by two. Jimmy comes back and hits another bucket right after that. And they're up by by one. What did you think about that run by Jimmy right there? Basically 11 points in what? Two minutes. It was glad for him to show up. That's, that's really it. It was just glad. It was, I was happy for this see him show. He was two for 12 at that point in time. And it's like, well, thanks Jimmy. Welcome to the park. I'd never thought that I would see, a, a final series in which Jimmy didn't show up basically into the fourth quarter. Um, but I, I love the fact that he did, right? That call was still crap. That was that was just a terrible call. I don't know anyone who saw that and thought it wasn't going to be overturned. Uh, I, the refs were trying here, but uh, uh, <laughs> ultimately, like, I'm, I mean, I'm glad that Jimmy had that stretch because other than that, he was it was a pretty pedestrian night for Jimmy Butler on both sides of the ball. What it, You've seen a lot of Jimmy Butler, you know, with the Chicago Bulls. He was hurt, right? Like the, we 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 yes. saw at the at the end of the 
uh, what was it, the end of the Celtics series that he had, he came up hobbled a little bit and he just didn't ever look, he didn't ever have a Jimmy Butler run that we had been used to seeing in this whole playoff run where, I mean, he scored 50 points in a playoff game in, in this run. And like, we just didn't see that guy five of 18 from the field in this one. Uh, nine of his, nine of his 21 points came from the free throw line. And uh, which, which we've been used to him being out some, some call a free throw merchant. I don't know if you subscribe to that at this point, but, <laughs> uh, but only 21 points for him. And like, Bam Adebayo was the best player in the series for the Heat. Jimmy just never really showed that dominant Jimmy Butler, what we're used to. What what do you attribute that to? Is it just the injury, or you think it's something that Denver did? I think the biggest part is the injury. I I, I do, because even, even with, like, you know, I know some people are going to say, well, he was gassed. Look at what he had to do to get there. But, like, even a gas Jimmy Butler, fully healthy, you you know, if you watch Jimmy, you know he's gonna he's gonna find that extra gear. And he just never did really this series. And even the way that he was deferring, even with getting penetration, yeah. uh getting to the rim, I I, I I would not be surprised at all if in a day or so they they announced that Jimmy Butler was dealing with a pretty serious ankle injury. I wouldn't well, you be look, surprised. You look at one of the final plays, the, the one that really sealed it was with 30 seconds left. Jimmy Butler drives, he gets deep in the paint, stops, and picks up his dribble and then pivots. And then yeah. he, he traveled on that last play, right? Like he, he yes. moved his pivot foot. Like his pivot foot like moved just a little bit. You could see it on the replay. But he picks up his his dribble and then he turns it over and, and throws it right to KCP. And then KCP gets fouled. That's when he hits those two clutch free throws. It just wasn't Jimmy Butler. Like I, I can't, I watched pretty much every Miami game this whole run. And I I can't say that that's the same player that I saw in those first three rounds. It's just, yeah, we're going to hear some kind of, and he's not going to make a big deal about it probably. Uh, We're not going to see some kind of LeBron report where Jimmy Butler comes out and is like, he's walking out in a boot (laughs) at the presser afterwards. But I think there's going to be something because I just can't believe that that's how he would go out playing that well. Uh, And, you do have to give credit to Aaron Gordon, though, because he's huge. And it's really hard to score on Aaron Gordon. And even that last three that Jimmy hit or Jimmy tried to, to take with 14 seconds left to try and tie the game, he's taking it over Aaron Gordon. It was just, just really, really hard to do because the, the man can jump. It, yeah. If we can agree on one thing, Aaron Gordon can jump. He can definitely jump. What, <laughs> how did you feel about the way that Denver in this game really kept Gabe Vincent and Max Struess from getting involved in this game at all? Like they they kept them from from really having an impact that they did. Struce goes one to six from three point range in this game. What what did you think about that part of it? Well, we talked we've talked a lot about or NBA media in general has talked a lot about. And Eric Spolster had the the quote like, "Oh, it's it's you know the untrained eye to say that we're making Nikola Jokic a scorer, right? Like, yeah. oh, do you make him a scorer? Do you let him be a passer? It felt like the the Nuggets." To, to do an untrained eye thing, <laughs> made Bam out of bio a scorer. He took yeah. 20 shots in this game. They allowed him the one-on-one. They allowed him to post up. They allowed him to take some of those mid-range shots, but they took away some passing lanes from him, I thought. And so he wasn't able to be that fulcrum that we've been used to. He only had one assist in this game. He wasn't able to kick out. And Miami still, I mean, they didn't hit enough of their threes. They only shot, shot 25% out of their you know 35 attempts. But that's still not enough threes. They just have to. They had to play a numbers game against this team. It's kind of the same. I've been saying this the whole time. It's the same as what the Mavericks had last year in their playoff run. You just have this number. You got to hit forty three. You got to take forty threes every single time, or else you're just not going to have enough because you need that variance. You need that. Uh, just what? What if? What if somebody goes off? What if somebody hits eight threes, or what if somebody hits five threes? Uh, Kyle Lowry hit four, but yeah, like you said, Gabe Vincent zero four. Uh, Caleb Martin, zero of four in this one. And Max Struess, one of six in this one. Like They're just not going to win games if all three of those guys are not hitting their threes. 
And uh, yeah, I think some of it is because of what Denver is able to do, staying home and not doubling up on anybody. They didn't have to double anybody because Aaron Gordon was doing a great job on Jimmy. Jimmy wasn't right, like we said. Uh, Bam Adebayo was on was was guarded by Jokic and Jokic did a fine job and they didn't double they didn't have to double on anybody they just stayed home and they're like all right we're just gonna stay home and nobody's yeah. gonna take or make as many threes as they should yeah just this great executed game by Denver and uh m- m- Coach Malone like, like we got to give it up to him as well yeah. like just just how he's able to have these guys ready. Uh, the way the adjustments that he's made over the course of this playoff series, not as much in this game, the game plan just kind of worked uh, eventually, but like just it's just a, such a well orchestrated team, a well old machine, I guess I should say. And I'm a little bit jealous that we don't have that down in Chicago. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> wow, <laughs> who are you talking to right now <laughs> over here in Dallas? Uh, all right, coming up, let's play a little game of buy or sell. We're gonna talk about Fred Van Vliet declining his option. We'll talk about. Um, we'll talk about Monty Williams with the Detroit Pistons. We'll talk about Jerry West a little bit. We'll talk about that, all that coming up. All right, Hayes, let's get into buy or sell. The segment we do talking about all kinds of NBA news that happened. Uh, reportedly, Fred Van Vliet is going to decline his player option and test free agency. Now I'm going to, I'm going to say is buy or sell. Fred Van Vliet has played his last game as a Toronto Raptor. Ooh, man. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to buy that. I'm going to buy that. I think he, he has played his last game. <laughs> He's played his last game. I, I tend, I tend to think the same thing too, because I think that he wants, He's going to go where the money is. I asked Sean Woodley, Locked On Raptors, about this, and he said, man, it's just really hard. I'm feeling like 65-35 that he's gone. Like he, He's like 65% sure that he's gone. But it's kind of hard to pick which team he would go to if he wants the most amount of, if he wants the most amount of money. Like, and will the Raptors give it to him? We're in this new age where this new CBA and this new like second apron is scaring a bunch of teams from spending a ton of money, especially the Toronto Raptors spending a bunch of money on a team that didn't even make the playoffs this past year. Uh, to pay Pascal Siakam 37 and to have Gary Trent Jr. that could become a free agent and OG and Anobi making 18 and he could be a free agent next year. And Scotty Barnes is, his deal is going to come up in about two years to, like to pay all these guys this amount of money is going to be tough for them. And so how much do they give Fred Van Vliet and can he get more from some of these teams that just have a bunch to spend? The Houston Rockets have been reportedly linked to James Harden. They were linked to Kyrie Irving recently. Yeah. Red Van Vliet would be the third one in line, I would think, if they're going down the list. Like, <laughs> hey, we're not getting Harden. He's staying with the Sixers. We're probably not getting Kyrie Irving because he's staying with the Mavericks. And then yeah. let's go with Fred Van Vliet there. They got a, they got like $60 million in cap space to spend. They got to spend it on somebody. The other one that's sneaky to be is the San Antonio Spurs. They've got a bunch of money. And they have Wembenyama. Yeah. And they have some nice pieces in Keldon Johnson and Devin Vassell and Trey Jones. Like, they've got some nice guys that they can, you know, they just need one, like, Imagine if they had a vet point guard that's won an NBA championship that can play a little defense that can, you know, show Wemby the ropes and all that. Like, I think that would be a nice little fit for him. It's just, is he willing to, is he willing to take that step down where you're not going to win from day one, right? You're not going to make the playoffs day one, but you could, you could fight for a play in. Still got pop down there. Like you got Wembenyama, you got some, some nice pieces. Like they could, they could turn it around pretty quick if they wanted to. Uh, Cause they got a bunch of money too, but those are the, those are, t- those are the two. Who are you buying? If you're Fred Van Vliet, would you rather go to the, the Rockets or the Spurs or stay with the I mean, Raptors? The, the Spurs definitely. Now I, I do think that if the Raptors do make a move to like break up some of the monotony, they have a lot of players that are all the similar body makeup and similar skill set. Like it's just <laughs> a lot of the same thing. If they move one of those guys in the draft, 
and maybe try to do something there. Maybe they do pivot back and offer Van Vliet the money that he wants. But I think ultimately, with the one what you presented, I'm going to the Spurs every single day. You mm. get to play with Victor Wimbiana, be be his point guard for his first stint in the NBA, and just as he gets acclimated to the game, you get to to work under Coach Pop as well. I know that they have Trey Jones down there, who's a restricted free agent, but they may very well let let Trey Jones walk. Yeah, yeah, they got to do something with their money though. Jeremy Sohan, yeah. another player down there that yeah. was was really like, good for them so last year. Like that, that's a pretty good little group that you have all of a sudden. Uh, with Wembenyama, Wembenyama makes that group look so much better, <laughs> but it is yeah, it is still a good little group on there. Um, the the Toronto Raptors hired a coach, former Grizzly assistant coach Doc, Dar, uh, Darko Rajkovic. Oh man, Sean Sean Woodley's gonna be mad at me for not pronouncing <laughs> that name right. Sorry, Sean. Um, buy or sell? Toronto will get back into the playoffs next year. We kind of just talked about them. They could lose Fred VanVleet. Do you buy them going to the playoffs next year? Oh, man, I can't do that right now without knowing what they're going to do with that roster. So I'm going to sell on it right now. I could I could be talked to buy into it. I mean, <laughs> they were a 10th seed, 41 wins last season. Um, so, I mean, they're right on that precipice, especially in the Eastern Conference, where if you make a right couple of moves, you can be right back in the playoffs. But I'm not going to believe it until I see them do something to break up that team a little bit. They've got they've got things to do. I think Masai Ujiri has has some options in front of him. I I'm falling back. I'm gonna buy. Okay. I'm gonna buy. I'm I'm back in because I thought at the beginning of last season, I looked at this Raptors team and said, man, if they can put it all together, if they stay healthy and all, I think they can be the fourth seed in the East. I was such a believer in this team. I, I thought that they could put it all together. They had a lot of the year before, they were a little disappointing, but they had a bunch of injuries. And then this past year, just all went to I mean, Canada. Like it all went, yeah. it all went terribly for them at this point. And so what do they do with Fred Van Vliet? If they bring him back, maybe they bring Gary Trent Jr. back too. New coach, Nick Nurse, it seemed like his voice had lost a lot of uh, emphasis or lost a lot of – he just lost some oomph there for them. And so maybe they, they get a new voice in there. Maybe that changes some things up. It seems like Dark, Coach Darko is going to be a, you know, a very player-friendly coach, and he's going to come in and uh, and you know connect with all these players. Maybe that's something that they really need. And then can – uh, the real the real question, I guess, is this, can Scotty Barnes take another step forward? If Scotty Barnes takes a, a leap forward, maybe the one that we expected this year, maybe it happens yeah. next year instead. I think that's the real key for them is can they get because they Pascal Siakam's like, he's he's like flirting with all NBA. I think I picked him on my yeah. ballot this year for all NBA, but he's not a he's not like a superstar player. But Scotty Barnes has a chance to become that. He could he could step into that next role, and if he does, then all of a sudden you've got something there because you've got you know Scotty Barnes with Siakam with OG and then maybe Fred Van Vliet if he comes back. Like that's something. But they, they don't have something right now. They, they just have some stuff. <laughs> yeah, they got a lot of pieces and it, it, they just need something to bring it all together. And I think also, you know, they they made a midseason trade for Jacopoto, uh, who they you know they they yeah, they, they want to bring uh bring him back as well. So a full season with him, if they do bring Van Vliet back as well, you know, maybe that's enough to get them um, into that playoff, but like I said, I just, I just gotta see it. I gotta, I got, I, I gotta see it before I'm, re- I'm ready to believe it, especially with the Raptors, man. The Detroit Pistons head coach Monty Williams will hold his press conference in Detroit on Tuesday, according to Mark Stein. I was listening to his pod today. Monty Williams turned down the Pistons' offer twice before the Pistons came back with that huge six-year, seventy-eight million dollar deal that could reach all the way to a hundred million dollars, which seemed pretty desperate from the Pistons. Do you buy or sell that Monty Williams will last the entirety of that six-year contract? 
I'm gonna sell that just off the strength that we don't see that happen a lot, and right? Like it's just sell. <laughs> like you, you just don't see a coach last that long in the modern NBA, no. and and that that's a young roster too. Like I think that you know if if something does happen, they're gonna try to you know make the the coach the scapegoat again. I think he's gonna get most of the contract though. I think he's gonna get over half that contract, but I just don't see him getting staying there the whole length of the contract. Yeah, the odds are really against this. The other thing, not just you, you focused on the team side of it. I'll focus yeah. on my if I'm a person that was a coach, had a job. Let's let's just say I'm a person like you that has a job. Actually, maybe if you're listening to this during the day, maybe you don't have a job. So respect. <laughs> I have a job and all of a sudden I lose that job or I leave that job or I decide to, all right, I'm going to take some time off here. And I, I have the means to take some time off. And then all of a sudden I get offered a different job and I turn that job down. And then they come back and they're like, what about that? And I turn it down again. Do I really want this job? Yeah. Like, do I really want to do that? Do I, that spending time with my family sounded really good for a little while there. Uh, and now he just like a hundred million, looking at a potential hundred million dollar contract. You just can't turn that down. That's life changing money for his family and everything. Monty Williams, you know, great human being. And I'm sure he'll be committed to Pistons and say all the right things in a presser. But man, I'm, I'm wondering if he, if he turned down, if he turned you down twice and it took him out of money, how much does money like keep him there? Really? Right. Like, that's what I'm curious about with, on the Monty Williams side of things. That's true, but I mean, also looking at Monty Williams, he's had a couple of a couple of jobs where he's kind of been made the scapegoat at the all the end of it. Maybe he wanted that security. Maybe that I'm just playing. I agree with you. I'm playing devil's advocate here. Maybe the security of the money and the length of the deal made him realize because in the NBA, like if you fire a coach, you still have to pay them. So like <laughs> like to to a degree. So. Uh, He's getting three more years paid from the Suns, right? Like that's he's still, crazy. he's still, I didn't even think about he's that. still making. That's why he was going to take a year off. He's like, wow, yeah. I got a job. I'm still getting paid for the from the Suns, and now he's, I mean, he's doubling up. He's doubling down on this. That's crazy. We got to do, hey. we got to do contracts like that, right? Like we got to, <laughs> we got to figure out a way to get contracts that are guaranteed like that. Absolutely. Um, all right, last one. Jerry West went on uh, podcast P. It's, it's Paul George's podcast, which is that's a pretty good name. Uh, and he talked about the three-point line, talked about the state of today's NBA. Jerry West said that the three-point line, quote, makes, I think, a more difficult game to coach. It emphasizes a different kind of player. I think crowds have to get used to it. There's some nights I go, and it's hard for me to watch. In this sense, I'd rather see somebody make a beautiful pass, go in and lay it up instead of four-on-one. Some guy runs behind the three-point line and shoots a three. Do you buy or sell this, though? He also said, the game is soft that way today. I don't like it. I don't think it makes for pretty basketball. Do you buy or sell Jerry West saying the game is soft? <laughs> oh, man, there's so many different angles to take with this, right? I I think it's softer. Uh, you know what? Oh, I'm going to double down. Soft. I, I, I think it's soft. I, 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 if I'm going to have to, in the world of black and white, I'll say that it's softer than what it was. So there, therefore I'm saying it's soft, but I don't I, like, I don't think that the game is as easy as Jerry makes it seem. And I think like a lot of people from that era won't understand stand it. It's just different, right? It's not necessarily like these guys still aren't tough. These tough, these guys still aren't some of the best competitors in modern day gladiators. But of course you're not seeing the old school uh, Detroit Pistons defense where they're basically fighting you out there, right? I mean, but it, it's it's a little bit different. Kyle Lowry's butt was fighting some people today in the in, in I mean, game his five. butt I mean, fights a lot of people. So, I mean, he's coming at him. <laughs> I'm uh, 
I'm buying it because you try because you imagine Jerry West's time. Like imagine where he's coming from. If you talk about soft, like I think it has gotten soft in some ways that need that needed to be right. You have chartered flights. You have all these different things. If you talk about the game, but if you're just talking about the three point line, it can also make the game a little bit easier. You look at I'll use I'll use the superstar in Dallas as the example. If you look at Luka Doncic, he has some games where. He can't just drive every single time because of the, of conditioning, all that stuff. And he'll just take a step back three over and over and over again. And sometimes if they go down a ton, they win a bunch of games. The Mavs hit a ton of threes. They go to the Western Conference Finals last year. The Mavs miss a bunch of threes and can't defend at the same level. They miss the playoffs. Like it can, it can be soft in the sense that teams that wouldn't have a chance all of a sudden have a chance. The parity and the like the variance is so much higher in today's NBA because of that three-point shot. I mean, look at look at this game five tonight. All of a sudden, Denver has control of the game. Jimmy Butler hits two threes in a row, gets fouled on a three-point shot. That, come on, they're not calling that a foul any other era on Aaron Gordon. They're not calling that on in any other yeah. era than, than this one right here that we're in. Uh, they call a foul on him. He hits three free throws. All of a sudden, Miami takes the lead back in this NBA Finals game and almost stole that game and almost stole, you know, or, or extended the NBA Finals. So... I get what he's saying by it's it's soft. It's a, it, it's a word that's been used to you know describe Dirk and Pau Gasol and even Jokic, like a bunch of, of, of players that, you know, and now it's become this bad term. But I kind of get what he's saying. I don't know what about pretty basketball, though. I think there's I think there's still some good bat. There's still some pretty basketball. There's absolutely pretty basketball. But yeah, it was not the game tonight. But <laughs> there are some games that are like that. Yeah, but yeah, you know what, though? Honestly, I'll say this in the playoffs. I like a good ugly playoff game. Oh That's yeah, what this yeah, because yeah. you got great, you got big moments, you have big swings of of small possessions, like one or two possessions here or there, and we're just gonna remember those. Like we'll remember the Jimmy Butler, like pivot in the paint and kick out to to KCP and turn it over. Like yeah. we'll remember that. We'll remember the Jimmy Butler like foul and three point shot, all that stuff. Like we'll remember that. Uh, tomorrow we will be back. We'll have who's on tomorrow? Jake Madison and John Corrales talking about the NBA. Now we're in the off season. Officially, Officially in the offseason, here we are, and now we'll turn our sights to the draft. We've got all kinds of stuff. We have a daily NBA show covering each of your teams. Any team that you're interested think about an NBA team. We have a show for that one, five days a week, all throughout the offseason and through the playoffs. Hayes hosts the Bulls one, so you can go check out Locked On Bulls. I host the Mavs one. You can check out Locked On Mavs. Guys, thanks so much for listening to Locked On NBA. Boom!